What up, guys and girls? It is Bobby and Sean coming at you for this week's episode of these of the Cronus Cast. As always, this week's episode is brought to you guys by Paragon Recovery. Use the code Cronus for fifteen percent off, or if you're a military or first responder, hit them up directly for an additional discount. Uh, Sean, you've been getting into a lot of the Paragon Recovery supplements. How have they, how have they been treating you? Uh, great. Oh my God. Sorry. My dog is knocking into the table underneath me because we got a storm going on. Um, it's the only time where I like generally sleep pretty solid now, uh, especially like with mileage being upped almost every week for biking and running. Um, I feel like way better. I feel at the age now where I need to take joint supplements. So like everything has been pretty good. Um, and it's helped since my diet's been dialed in. I, I've really enjoyed taking it the the bottles are cool looking too they don't look like you're taking like your parents vitamin supplements so i've i've enjoyed uh i've enjoyed it immensely uh so far as recovery is concerned yeah absolutely that's great feedback and of course they're military friendly company so we're happy to help them and they're happy to help us out so use code chronos 50 percent off and then hit them up directly if you're military or first responder so what should we talk about today sean well, we got a lot of questions. Uh, one of them was about my nose, so I think that's obviously the most important. Uh, <laughs> I was yes, I saw that. it's large. It's impressive. It's been called a power beak before, um, and I attribute it to all of my success. I've never had a problem breathing through it. I've never had a problem keeping my lower half of my face dry in the rain. Um, and swimming, it was very easy doing backstroke because it essentially acted as a sail or uh, as a hydrofoil when I was on my stomach. So um, if you don't have a large nose, you are truly missing out. And if you did something to change your nose to make it smaller, uh, you're an idiot because this is evolution at its finest. Um, I think years of human success will only come from my breeding and making this a, a more common feature on the faces of billions well that, isn't that they say that's like the roman nose like the um emperor's nose or some shit like that it, something like that i i know a lot of british people and individuals on the, the british isles have relatively like prominent cheeks and noses uh a lack of or maybe one might say a softer jawline uh, i can't you know you can't tell i don't have like this gigantic chin uh you know to take any uh uppercuts on um which is also great because means people will miss your face if they're trying to punch you so what i'm trying to get at is i have a face built for speed i have a face built for pleasure um and it it's the future of of human technology right here in all of its genetic glory and and as a doctor i think you can only you know admire it from a distance yeah uh sure yeah i anyway uh what do we need to cover all right so a lot of graduates of rotc programs and west point are going to be headed to i bullock fa bullock those are the only two bullocks that i'm aware of i don't think there's any other bullock uh and then subsequently ranger school which i i think is the only other follow-on school any bullock now provides uh, we've also got a lot of questions on recovery, especially with individuals now kind of transitioning to doing some more endurance events. 
as gyms have been shut down and looking to do other alternative uh, fitness workouts. Uh, what else do we got, Bobby? Yeah, I think we should concentrate more on bullocks. I think it's that time of the year. You know, it's August, so t- usually people graduate about May. So you're, most people that have just graduated this last cycle probably get into the bullock time frame. And then, you know, probably looking for some trips, some tips, and not necessarily tricks, but just some tips on success. Because as, as much as we talked about in the past, Bullock is kind of where, you know, your military career starts, for better or for worse. Um, the impressions that you make and the relationships that you build during Bullock will last you through your entire military career, whether you're in for the five years, four years, or you're going to become a general officer. You know, these relationships that you form with your peers, um, they're going to be your peers for the rest of your Army career, regardless of whether you stay in or get out. And then it's it's um, always good to build these relationships now because you never know in the future, you know, how these, um, how, the, how, how it'll benefit you in the future, put it that way. That, absolutely. And to build on that, you might go in there looking to make some lifelong friends, and that's a really sweet sentiment. But you also want to go in and you want to be cutthroat. You should want to finish on Commandant's list. You should want to be the most physically fit stud there. If you're not, be number two or number three. Um, when you go out on, on training events, it's a, fun, it's a fun FTX that you'll be a part of because everyone's going to be put in leadership positions. You're definitely going to have guys that are going to fail on their face. You're going to have individuals that just knock it out of the park. Take things that people sucked at, improve it. Take things that people did well, improve it. So every single time that you're up for a leadership position, you should have people admire what you've presented, whether it's a brief, whether it's a product. And when it comes to fitness, there should be no doubt that you're going to put people in a pain cave in in 90% of body weight exercises. Um, And it's really weird to say how much fitness plays a role in like what a good leader is. But I've never known a good leader to be out of shape. Generally, the best leaders I've known have all been physical monsters. And that includes the field grades uh, in the Ranger Regiment who, you know, at 33 to to 40 plus, were still running 35 minute five miles, were throwing around some decent weight in the gym and generally could just run, ruck and do bodyweight exercises for days. And not in that nerdy sense where all these field grades go and all they do is push-ups and sit-ups. I mean, like, they were doing functional fitness. So it stays with you, and that's something people will remember you by. So I guess we should start off with, um, Sean, based on your experience at iBullock, what do you think is the um, maybe top one, two, or three tips that you could give yourself um, going back if you were going to Bullock now as, like, a fresh second lieutenant, just graduated from, from Lehigh? What would you tell your little... 22-year-old self? I would say don't skip leg day. It's important. Um, But aside from that, uh, I really liked how I did iBullock. Like, this sounds really vain. I think I crushed iBullock. I took everything seriously. I made templates for when we went to the field to, to brief orders. I had cheat sheets built. I had fragos and upwards already complete so i would just take like a permanent marker one of those like map markers with some alcohol wipes and i could just quickly erase and be prepared to brief um when i had assignments when you had to make these uh 
platoon upwards on these trifolds. Um, I measured everything by ruler. I made it look pretty. And it sounds stupid, but attention to detail really matters when you're being graded and compared to your peers. You're going to have individuals that are doing their overlays, and it's just going to look drawn on. And they're not measuring out these engagement areas and these reds. And so people you know, will look at that and go, okay, like it might be accurate, but it does not look clean. It does not look professional. And you have more than enough time to really make sure you're presenting the best product possible. And I'd also say physically, I showed up ready to go to ranger school. I didn't show up ready to train to go to ranger school. I showed up if they said, you're going straight to ranger because we don't have enough space in this eye bullet class, I would have gone and been completely fine with any task I was given. So in summarizing it in just a couple words, I would say academically uh, create you know, templates ahead of time or while you're there that you can use over and over again and just improve on. Um, so that your briefing is so good to the point that uh, you don't even need them any longer. Um, and then show up physically fit and, and ready to, to go to ranger school and, and crush it. I think it, to me, it sounds like the biggest thing that you would say is just to kind of take it seriously. Did you ever notice like in your peer group or at Bullock, like guys would show up and just quite frankly, wouldn't take it seriously or, you know, didn't really put the time in. Yeah, absolutely. I would generally say that was a common trait for the West Pointers, but I would say it was for the West Pointers that did not have a uh, fitness background. Uh, Most of the West Pointers in my bullet class, because I went later uh, in the year, were uh, like assistant coaches up on the football team or or at the prep school, um, and they were snowboarding uh, as second lieutenants, like helping out with their sports programs. Uh, and so they showed up and they knew exactly what was on the line. They'd been preparing for it and, and kind of transitioning from whatever fitness they were doing at the academy to being an infantry officer. Um, you know, but there were a lot of West Pointers that were kind of, I think they got infantry because of their academic prowess at school that showed up and still were not in the mindset of fitness is a integral part of being an infantry officer. Uh, same thing with some infantry officers coming out of ROTC, where 40% of the OML was based on GPA. Whether they went to some shit school or had a really easy major, they were coming in with four O's and maybe like a 1430 on their two mile. And it was just embarrassing because it was like, maybe academically you'll, you'll be able to handle the subject matter at this course, but you won't be able to do it under physical pressures and you're never going to get far enough at ranger school because you're just going to break yourself. Yeah. I always find that kind of interesting that, um, it's funny because I always remember like at West point you have the, you always had like the, uh, the athletes and like the non-athletes and the non-athletes. And I was, I would consider myself a non-athlete too. Cause I wasn't on a, on a team. I was on the strength team, but I wasn't like an actual athlete. Sure. But like all the non-athletes would always talk shit about like, you know, the football players or the athletes because they were considered like less than good cadets. And I put that in quotes or like not stellar cadets because, you know, they had to do sports and they had other things to do besides, you know, do, doing the basic like cadet duties, like doing like the dumb cadet duties. Yeah. So I always found it super ironic because, you know, as time went on in my military career, it seemed like, you know, the athletes ended up becoming the better officers like the i think there was like a almost a direct not maybe a direct correlation but there's a strong correlation between like a how shitty you were quote unquote shitty of a cadet you were and how good of a like an officer you were and i just i, I find that 
that relationship kind of weird and un like it was just a very weird relationship because like um like when I was in regiment, like half the West Pointers were football players. Yeah, football, know. lacrosse, uh, those were the the two sports that wrestlers. that we had at first. Wrestlers. Um, I mean, there's something to be said. Those individuals wanted to be like varsity playing a sport at West Point. I mean, you were on the strength team. That that's still an incredibly physically demanding component of you know preparing yourself physically so i don't think you should completely discount your athlete kind of exposure but the fact that you went out and did something that challenged yourself more than just the the mental component at an undergraduate institution i think is what really we're trying to get at here you have to do something while you're an undergrad that kind of separates you and especially as a west pointer not myself being one but as a west pointer in general if you're going to bullock you're going to be judged by stupid stuff like doing the rocket. Um, your your cheers that you had to do when you were at West Point. Uh, the fact that your school was like 99% male and that you're going to marry the first Auburn chick that you meet. Um, you're going to go out way too much. Your uniform's going to be a little bit sloppier because no one's checking up on you. Like These are all of the negative stereotypes that West Pointers have to deal with when they go to I. Bullock. And some of them, I'll be honest, are completely deserved and others are not. But for the most part, I have, I've had very few like experiences I can count on one hand where I saw an athlete from West Point and thought poorly of them. Yeah. Uh, generally, the West Pointers that I've met that were football players, lacrosse players, wrestlers have all been phenomenal human beings, uh, physical studs, and you know, what it took for them to focus on academics and sports up at West Point and then to want to branch infantry and continue going soft, I think is just a testament to their character. And it's generally the people that didn't challenge themselves at undergrad that end up being the biggest pieces of shit uh, when you get to Bullock and later in your career. Should we talk about um, that one dude uh, from that uh, guy in your seven? Should we talk about him or just mention him? I don't even want to say his name. Yeah, he sh- who shall not be named... Um, th- this is what we're talking about from, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So if you're a brand new commissioned second Lieutenant and not just from West point, let's just say from anywhere, you haven't done anything. You haven't earned anything. Like I heard that when I had commissioned and I took it to heart when I got to Benning, I felt like I was dog shit because I didn't have a Ranger tab because I didn't even have my blue cord because I hadn't finished eyeball. Like, that you haven't you essentially have no experiences that you can fall back on and if you're going around you can wear your west point ring whatever i wouldn't recommend it unless you're in like a really formal environment but wearing like your branch insignia on your lapel when you're not even branch qualified uh wearing units as t-shirts that you've not having gotten to um real caveat right there if I Bullock allows you to wear either like the 211 patch or, or the unit patch that you're going to. Don't wear your unit patch until you have a Ranger tab above it. Because otherwise, people are going to mistake you for either being there for a school, having already finished I Bullock, and being a failure from Ranger School, and instead of just being a brand new student. So don't be embarrassed of being a student. Like, be a student first is kind of what we're getting at here. Be really good at being a student graduate ranger school and then throw on that unit patch uh and get ready to pcs but going back to this individual um 
listen, like social media is much bigger now than it ever was sure. when Bobby and I were were going through Bullock. Uh, that's when like MySpace was still a thing. But like, keep your shit private. Understand that you're representing the military now, and your soldiers are going to see that. Like, you're going to have to scrub your profiles. Um, but I, I just, I, if you don't know what we're talking about with this individual, you, you can go to multiple military meme pages and they're roasting him. He, he's a second lieutenant. I'm not going to say his branch because you know it's one that neither Bobby nor I like. Um, you know, but uh, aside from that, just people need to shut their mouths and really just focus on bettering themselves. And if, if you've not done anything, if you're physically not impressive, but you still want to put yourself out there, like you need to grow a set when people are going to roast you because you're going into an occupation where for better or for worse, your, your task is to kill other human beings. And if someone's words are so offensive that you need to go and call IG or get some 06 on your back, like it's not the right profession. Yeah, it it really kind of makes me angry and really pisses me off because, you know, I look at my West Point experience very favorably. Like, I attribute my West Point education, my experience at West Point, into shaping me who I am today. Like, I would not be the same person I am today if I hadn't gone to West Point. I can like, like in my mind, I can see like the, the trajectory of my life. And I can see at like some points how my life changed. Like one of those points when I was whatever, like eighteen or whatever, getting accepted to West Point and going to West Point. That's when my life changed uh, significantly. Like the trajectory of my life changed, and like I hold that experience um, in like a very high esteem in my mind. And that right, you know, and it really makes me angry when people put West Point and put all of us into this bad and negative light because it, it like really frustrates me because it's just like you know it's west pointers have such a stereotype such as a negative stereotype in the army um and it's you know accurate or inaccurate depending how you look at it but the way i always see it is like you know everybody always remembers the shitty west point officers like they're shitty like pls or whoever that were shitty west point officers but not many people actually remember the good west pointers because the good west pointers don't throw that in your face that they were west pointers you know it's no, like absolutely a, not. It's like a, you, you'll be surprised. Like when people are like, "Oh, you went to West Point," and not me again. Sorry, guys, if, if I'm making this confusing. But when I've met people and said like, "Oh, I had no idea you were a West Pointer," it's like usually because they're normal and because there are so many abnormal people mm-hmm. that just always constantly have to remind you where they were when they were 18 to 22. That it's like mind-blowing that someone would not have that as their only credit to what they've done in their life yeah and it's like you know sometimes like i don't ever say them a west pointer because i think that gives off a certain like stereotype gives off a certain stereotype to people um so i just find that very like it makes me kind of angry that this this guy you know is citing his west point experience and throwing all West Pointers in, like, a negative light. And that's what I think frustrates me. And, like, I don't know. If I could just go back and just... Like, I think social media is fu- one fucking terrible... Terrible for any... Like, if you're a cadet, like, you should keep your shit locked up. Because, you know, you never know who's looking at your, at your shit. And then, at the same time, like like Sean was saying, is like... We haven't achieved anything or done anything worth being memorable, being memorable for. 
And I always think it's funny too because like at West Point, West Point cadets were always like so highly esteemed. Like you get to hang out with like lieutenant colonels and colonels on a daily basis, and like you're told that like, you're the cream of the crop. And then when you graduate and become a second lieutenant, you go to like become the lowest of the low and piece like little piece of shit as a second lieutenant. So I thought yeah. it's funny too. Well, and like this individual is in in you know his uh, public forum has just been name dropping individuals from four star and the lowest ranking one being a lieutenant colonel. And that's something that I don't think I've ever done even in like a professional sense when I was a, a captain and still in, I, I never talked to someone who was like, Oh my good mentor, my good buddy general, oh, yeah. so-and-so. Cause at the end of the day, like they don't care who you are. Like I, I assure you when you were and I, were uh, in regiment for you know for our, that window of our lives. At no point, if someone had even told the USACOM commander, "Oh, these two captains," he would have been like, "So what?" Like, okay, the, the next batch of these guys is coming through in the next RASP two class in a year and a half. That that platoon and and that position will be filled by you know some other eager rangers. So, like, don't get caught up in that too. When when you go to Bullock, don't think that you have to be on the good side of the battalion commander there. When you get to your first unit, even look at your battalion commander. So long as he doesn't think like you are on a personal level an awful human being, but he respects your grind, he respects the the work that you're putting forth. That's all that matters. You don't have to have these relationships. You don't have to force yourself to have a mentor. You're gonna have mentors when you start meeting more field grades more commanders um, that you genuinely want to learn from and engage with just because you meet a lieutenant colonel or higher does not mean that you have to like keep a rolodex of these people and, and like somehow they're going to influence you because I, I can assure you uh, my parents worked in assignments trying to get assignments to different posts you essentially have to have like a by name request from someone more than just a battalion commander and i'm talking like brigade or division commander to really affect that assignment officer to get you there and that's not going to happen as a second lieutenant and it's likely not going to happen for 99.9 percent of us uh going for you know company command somewhere else but yeah slight uh slight digression into my um dislike for this guy because i remember i saw something online too someone commented like the west what makes three types of officers produces three types of officers really competent and really good officers, really competent officers, but really cocky officers yep. is pieces of shit. So there's only three. And it's like, you know, depends on who you get, but I always think that the, everyone only remember, always remembers the shitty West Point officers that they've had. And no one ever really remembers the good ones because the good ones never really make it known that they're West Pointers. No. And you still won't remember those really good ones as being West Pointers. Uh, the characteristics that you'll remember them by, are for things that they actually achieved while wearing the uniform without having that like halo of West Point about them. Um, yeah. So, you know, on that, uh, if you're a West Point out there, you know, listening to us, you, you can hit us up. Bobby can reply. If you're an ROTC person and you want to know what like wrong looks like, it's generally exactly like that. Uh, most of the ROTC people that I've met that we're generally not very good. Just tended not to be very physically fit uh, in the infantry. That was a that was more along the lines of okay, this person's not going to make it in this branch because they were physically like unset. But yeah, so that's showing up to Bullock uh, for infantry stuff. Um, I would also recommend as you're getting there, 
you have two places that you can go and buy gear from. Uh, you have Commandos and you have Ranger Joes. Uh, having been to both stores multiple times, uh, I would highly only recommend going to Commandos. Uh, one, they've got a broader selection of the stuff that you need if you're if you're going to Ranger School. I mean, you can literally walk in there. They have the Ranger School packing list. You pick it up, and it's essentially laid out in order for you in aisles. You just grab what you need because um, it can be in a, a very expensive pack. Um, they've got, you know, a great variety of boots. Uh, people typically, though, look at Ranger Joe's and they think, oh, Ranger, like infantry, because it's got Ranger in the name. Um, but it's just, just stay away. That's, that's my opinion for, you know, having spent a significant amount of time at Benning. Um, but Bobby, you live there too. Uh, what, what, what was your take on the Commandos, Ranger Joe's kind of battle for, for equipment dominancy? Yeah, I should prefer Commandos a lot more than Ranger Joe's, um, just because I think they have a better store and selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I couldn't find something at Commandos, I would just pop over to Ranger Joe's. Ranger Joe's those have the the uh, they do have the uh, the barber, I believe, and they also have yeah. the chiropractor at Ranger Joe's, both of which are fucking terrible. So you know, <laughs> I would not recommend. Either okay, one. so. <laughs> If you're looking for a cheap haircut, the Ranger Joe's Barber Shop, I think it was like 15 bucks. That's still too expensive. It's, But you could still go there. That was one of the only barber shops that, at least when I was there, I could go in. And if like they knew you were in regiment um, or were associated with resume, regiment, they knew exactly what kind of haircut you wanted. So it was like they didn't touch the top. The sides were cleaned up. Um, and it was a decent fade. Uh, instead of trying to go elsewhere and say like, oh, I just want a little bit taken off and taper, like, and people just butchering and giving you a high and tight, at least that barber shop, because I always went there for my haircuts, knew exactly what I wanted to, to kind of skate the lines so far as like a professional look went. Yeah, I would never recommend the hair, the barber shop there, but I've also never got my haircut there, so I can't really say anything about it. How dare you? <laughs> I would re- I rec- get your haircut there. Don't get anything else there. Yeah, they do have a chiropractor too. I remember that. Uh, would not recommend the chiropractor because that's just a whole other discussion on chiropractory. Well, you're a doctor, so you're you're completely within you know your professional experiences to to recommend or not recommend something. But so far as haircuts go, Bobby, you can't you can't say don't get a haircut somewhere if you've never gotten your haircut. It's true. That's Advertising one hundred and one. Um, I'll switch gears. Talk a little about FA Bullock. I definitely think iBullock is a little bit more applicable to our listeners, but for FA Bullock, um, it's definitely a little bit different for FA Bullock compared to iBullock. You know, it's not nowhere near as physical, um, nowhere near as much field time. It's way more academic stuff. Learning about like the theory of artillery, talking about like gunnery, talking about calling for fire, that kind of stuff. Um, the big thing that I would say for F.A. Bullock is you just have to study and you have to do the work. You can't really necessarily show up um, for the test and without studying or actually understanding the material and expecting to succeed. Um, you know, they, they, it's literally taught to you so that's such that a monkey could be trained to do the same stuff. So, you know, just put the work in, do your homework, do everything that you're supposed to do, and you'll be fine in F.A. Bullock. Uh, Commandant's list is not very hard to get F.A. Bullock because it's so heavily weighted on academics. So making sure that you uh, are doing your... It's like four, when I was there, it was like 40% acad- or like 80% or like 40% gunnery, 40% like um, 
of calling for fire, like 10% like lieutenant stuff, like officership and like 10% PT. So like, you know, there's way less emphasis on PT. Um, but then, you know, if you have the uh, desire to go to Ranger School, they do have the uh, FA pre or FA Bullock pre Ranger program. It's actually a pretty good program. Um, it's actually run by the captain's career course captains who have gone to Ranger School. Uh, so those guys are usually either come from regiment or you know went to Ranger School. Um, so they're able to kind of take you through PT in the mornings, and there's always a good PT session too. So I'd recommend doing that. Bob, did you live on post or did you live off post at still? I lived off post. I lived in the uh, in Independence Place apartments with one of my buddies. Um, great time. You know, the big thing uh, that I think a lot of people struggle with, especially if it's West Pointers too, is that you are pretty much, you know, you're in the barracks for four years. Spitting game, social skills. What I'm not just being able to like live on your own for the first time in your life, having a paycheck. You know, you should really uh, be smart and cognizant of where you're spending your money and how you're spending your your stuff yeah because uh i knew a lot of west pointers that just kind of like wilded out during bullock you know went out and drank every night um didn't do the work just drink like party that's like you could, i mean you could do that you know you probably will still pass bullock but are you you're you're really not you know doing yourself and your future you know soldiers a a service by um not taking it seriously yeah i uh I'd agree on the, the drinking thing for the individuals that are going to I Bullock. Um, they have an independence place too. It's, it's right off one of the small gates. Uh, a lot of lieutenants live there. You, you sometimes find like a couple captains going to career course that are living there. And you're kind of like, why are you doing this? Like this is a 100% lieutenant zone. Um, you see guys constantly coming in with shaved heads, either on pass or failing school or passing school. And the, the pool is essentially just like a, a hangout for guys to kind of mix it up about ranger school because if you haven't gotten it yet i bullock is essentially pre-ranger mm-hmm. that's like if you go to infantry uh basic officer leader course the only thing you want to leave with is a ranger tab that that's literally 100 percent. the only reason that a lot of people even want to branch infantry because it's like a guarantee you know slot and opportunity to, to get a small piece of cloth that you know kind of sets you aside uh, for for most of your peers um, I lived on post. If you have an opportunity to live on post, I highly recommend living at Norton Village. Uh, contact housing at Fort Benning. It is about um, 500, 600 meters, depending uh, what street you live on, whether it's like Kilgore, Gillespie, um, from a furniture store where you can get like great, you know, basic stuff to fill your first place. Uh, you're also about a mile away from Audie Murphy, uh, the gym. You're about half a mile or less away from Smith Gym, uh, the track, which is a mile track, so it's perfect. You are a mile run away from the Cardiac Hills and the airfield uh, and, and great areas that you're going to be tested on for your five mile. When it comes time for the RPFT, you've got the Chopette that's right there. Quick drive around post to get to the commissary. And when everyone else is like leaving post because, you know, work's done or fighting to get in and and sign their, you know, cat card in with the gate guards, you literally are driving maybe two minutes to get to the Bullock parking lot. And and that makes a huge difference. The places that you can live on post at Benning are completely adequate um, and they're very comfortable. I found, 
you know, but Bobby was talking about kind of that financial management piece. We talked about it on another podcast, like what you should be doing with your money and, and the percentages, I think. But remember that when you PCS, you don't want to be the guy that's like requesting the money up front because uh, you never know exactly how your move's going to go, the, the weight. Um, like you're going to want and need to have like in cash probably anywhere from uh, two to let's say $5,000. Uh, in hand so that when you get to your next duty station, you're living in a hotel for potentially a couple of days before you get reimbursed. You need to be able to put down a security deposit on a house if you want to live in a house or an apartment. Um, and depending on what your credit looks like, that might look like one to two months, um, you know, rent payment uh, to fill it up and get furniture. You know, you can do it on credit and build your credit that way. But in general, you're looking at couches, sectional couches, uh, running you from six to eight hundred, nine hundred dollars. Um, beds about you know a grand, grand and a half with the frame, the mattress, and all the other accoutrement. Um, you know, and, and then everything else that goes to outfitting a home that you probably will not have once you do your first Diddy move uh, down to Benning for school. So just keep that in mind. Like every single month, you should be trying to put away as much money as possible, and that is made a lot easier by not going downtown and going to the cannon and getting a fucking burger every night and going drinking. Cause at the end of the day, let's be honest, you're competing against guys that are either there for captain's career course and single, uh, and have Ranger tabs and deployments and you don't, or you're competing against guys in Ranger regiment who are going to clean house and you're going to have to wait there until 2am and the lights go like way down for you to even possibly have any success. So like avoid the party scene as much as possible. Just be a good infantry officer and be as physically prepared for ranger school as possible. Go do that shit out at your first duty station. Yeah, I would say like uh, living on base at Fort Benning is probably your best bet for Bullock because I think like because um, you get like a house with like three or four dudes and it's only like twelve hundred bucks a month for yeah. the entire house. So you could easily, very easily, only spend like three, four hundred bucks a month on rent, which is like you're not gonna find yeah. that anywhere else. Yeah, I had uh, I had two roommates, one that was in my bullet class and one that was in the class uh, just ahead of us. Um, the one guy, Max, was ahead of us. Uh, he went straight through Ranger. Uh, my other housemate, we went straight through together. I mean, it was like a really efficient place because they understand what your BAH is. And so for a general, like, lieutenant uh, house, that's, that's going to be the rate that they charge regardless of how many people are living there. And they'll, mm-hmm. they'll have limits. Like you're not going to be able to fit four people in a three bedroom house, but three guys. And if, you know, BH will say 1200, 400 bucks a month, uh, which generally I think included utilities is, is awesome because then you're probably only spending maybe 200 to 300 more on food. So now you're banking half of your BAH and that's not even factoring in then what you're getting paid. Uh, same with cars too. Like Buy a used car if it's your first move. Um, don't buy like that new car until like you know maybe you get settled. If you have a family, uh, move your wife and potentially kids onto Fort Benning as well because then you're just maximizing time with them and you're not wasting it traveling back and forth to Phoenix City um, or Exit Ten where it's a little bit nicer. Like you guys can kind of quote unquote rough it, and, and housing on posts have got significantly better since I was a kid. Um, to the point now where they're like, it, you know, people are waiting up to a year just to get a slot. Yeah. And then if you're going to Fort Sill, I would definitely say live off base because I don't think you can even live on base at Fort Sill. Um, but definitely get roommates. You know, uh, I lived in Independence Place, which was a furnished apartment. So that was a great 
way to save some cash. I didn't have to worry about, you know, buying furniture too. Yeah. Um, that That's also a smart, if it comes furnished, you know, but then you're also looking at, you know, are they going to nickel and dime you over uh, the couch and, and somebody getting drunk one night and throwing up on it. So just sure. also keep, be a responsible person. Okay. So that's Bullock. Um, like we just said, just to summarize for Bullock, do your work, you know, take, your, take it seriously. Um, form some good relationships with your peers and then, uh, you know, really put your full effort into make into learning material and getting ready for the army. Cause that's kind of like Bullock is kind of like that first step in introduction to the army too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you should be, I, I you should be nervous when you show up, you should have some level of anxiety because, you should be able to look around and probably physically identify those guys that are going to be like direct threats to you on the RPFT, you know, cause you want to be the best out there. Um, you're, you're going to be judging each other very quickly. The individuals that I'm still close with from Bullock all went on to do like pretty great things in the army. Like none of them have just stick to the conventional route. Every single one of them's done, done a nominative position. So if you find yourself in a group of people and they're not talking. If, if your goal is to go SF or go to Ranger Regiment and none of the people in your little circle are talking about doing it, like you need to change your circle because okay? that, that's more of a reflection of you than, you know, who you're surrounding yourself with. So find like minded individuals. If you think it's brutal that guys are talking about that already, like that, again, that's a dumb feeling because you're all there to be like athletes, you're all there to be winners. Um, and if you're not looking to go play varsity, like, why did you even bother going infantry? Yeah, it's like like attracts like, and that you are probably the most accurate, like, reflection of the four or five people we spend the most time with. So be mindful of the company that you keep. And then, uh, you know, if, you sh- if you're if you the, um, I guess, the, the best of your group, maybe look to have another group, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think, like, politically speaking, for instance there's always a joke that every senator sees him or herself as president because, uh, like, everyone eventually runs. The same, I think, applies to infantry officers. You shouldn't join the infantry just because you want to be infantry. Like, you should join the infantry because you have one of two goals, either going to Ranger Regiment or going SF. And if neither one of those are things that you seriously and strongly will pursue, don't branch infantry because... I promise you there are individuals that were forced branch something else or got their second or third pick, maybe because their grades weren't high enough, but otherwise they were just go-getters, um, that would gladly switch with you in order to not waste four years before they could, you know, put a packet in and, and, and go get those tabs that you were kind of just nonchalant about. So if you don't have any aspirations to join Ranger Regiment or SF, do not go infantry. Like, I, I think that should be like one of those, again, things. It's an automatic that you get your tab, but it's also an automatic that in two and a half years after you get out of Bullock, you drop in an SFAS packet or you've already gone and, and gotten into RASP 2 and you're ready to go to the 75th. You should not be content with just being like, whatever, I'm I'm just infantry. I did airborne next as mech. This is fun. Whippy. Like, that's some lame shit. And, and yeah. that's like, that's the way losers are bred. Yeah, I do remember I had a couple of classmates that uh, were football players that didn't get to, they wanted to go infantry but didn't weren't able to go infantry because they just didn't quite make it and ended up going armor and then just I felt really bad for these guys because they 
wanted to go to regiment they wanted to go sf now they just were kind of taken um the opportunity was kind of taken from them so it was just kind of a shame that you know that talent's wasted on or their spot and talent was wasted on some less than you know excellent candidates yeah and again if, if you're listening to this and you're an infantry officer that's been in for four years and you haven't put a packet in for a nominative position and you're turning the radio off so you're not even listening to what I'm saying now, like, I don't care. Like, we're just giving you some of our sage advice. Like, all we want and all I want in honesty for the, the infantry branch is just having individuals that want to get after it on a daily basis. And that doesn't stop when it comes to just fitness. That comes to every other facet of their life and being like, as dominant as ever it's what i want to try to do here at law school fingers crossed it keeps happening and i keep you know improving myself uh same with you know bobby bobby would have been an awesome infantry dude um if he had gone infantry because he would not be fine with just like whatever the status quo was uh, of of his surroundings yeah that's one thing i always i won't say i regret that but that's one thing i always wonder is like you know what happened what would have happened if i had not decided to go to med school and try to go to sf because that was kind of my decision point um i was at like the four-year mark i was like should i go to med school or should i go to sf and a small part of me will always um wonder and kind of regret not going down that route because you know that kind of effectively closed that door or that path for me for the rest of my life so you know for guys out there that are listening still um and if you ever have the opportunity or even the desire to go do something that you'll you know something nominative like go to regiment or go sf or do something really cool definitely take the opportunity because the last thing you want to do is you know five ten years down the road you look back on your life and wonder you know i kind of regret not taking the opportunity or trying that because now i've never that door has closed me for the rest of my life so you know you should never have any regrets in your life and if that's a thought and you're if that's a thought that you have um, you should definitely take that take that thought and go that route. No, one one hundred percent. Like you can't score goal. Oh no, yeah, you can't score without having goals. That that's what is written on my the inside of my Lululemon shirt from two thousand and eleven. It's such a yeah. You can't score without having without goals. I don't think that's written very well. Lululemon, get your shit straight. Yeah, but. If Lululemon can do it, why can't you? Yeah, but it, it's like it's like funny too because like looking back on it, like you look at, I look at like kind of my career, like you know, going to FA, Ranger School, Regiment, then Med School, and now I'm doing surgery. But it's like even then, you know, you think from the outside looking in, you think like I'm probably like pretty relatively successful and done pretty well for myself. But even then, like uh, I still have that that regret for not going down that route and going to SF just because. You know, I had the opportunity to do so, and I think I would have, you know, done a pretty good job if I did that. And then, you know, there's always that bit of regret and that, you know, I was will always kind of regret that not having taken that route. No, absolutely. I have that. I, I still have that same feeling. Um, like if if uh, you're new to the podcast or, you know, are giving, doing our backgrounds every couple months, um, I had to pack it in when I thought I was your group 2011. Uh, for SFAS. Uh, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to go SF. Um, and in the middle of my first deployment, uh, I got a phone call essentially informing me that I'm year group 2012. I had to wait to resubmit my packet. 
and I knew that we were going to Korea within a couple months of us getting back. And I say a couple, probably like six to nine months of us getting back. So I knew that in training up, instead of going to SFAS within like three to four months, I was probably going to end up going to Korea and then having to fly back or prepare to go and do actual mechanized training. And I did not want to balance that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, SF's on pause. That's not an option right now. And, and then I looked at, you know, going to Ranger Regiment and that worked out. And that was uh, such an incredible experience. And, and looking back, like I would never ha- have wanted it any other way. When I got to Carson, uh, I was so frustrated with what I considered uh, a lack of drive uh, and competency with some of my peers and that it would be tolerated to the level that it was that I put in a packet to go to SFRE. And I was like, I'm done with active duty. I will just go and try out for the SF National Guard uh, group out in Colorado. Uh, I went to that like four-day SFRE um, was successful there and then was, was prepping again to go to SFAS now as a captain. I talked to my, my boss um, at the brigade, and he was completely behind it because he knew the frustrations. And then uh, came to find out that because I was about six and a half years in, I was already branch qualified uh, for captain career course that I could not go to SFAS that late in my career which was super frustrating. And at that point, I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to wait it out now for command and then, you know, see what happens when I'm eight or nine years in. Uh, subsequently, I think um, SF branch changed that that requirement that you can't be branch qualified and have six years in. So like if I was a year later, uh, that might have worked out. But I, I wanted to go SF. I think it's, you know, our, our really good friend, Brian, um, has loved his time there at group. Uh, it's just another awesome opportunity. If you're not in a wartime environment or theater, uh, Ranger Regiment does some awesome, cool training. SF, though, is going to travel around the world. You're going to get to go to a whole bunch of schools or just a whole bunch of training events that 99.9999% of the military, including a lot of your group uh, buddies, are never going to get to experience, whether it's in the Baltics or it's up in Scandinavia, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Asia, um, South America. I mean, you're going to be so competent at so many more things than like, you know, your counterparts in the Ranger Regiment, uh, junior officers will be, that that's something you should also consider. Are, are we in a current state of war? Are you going to be going out on raids wearing a tambourine or, you know, are you going to be missing out on maturing as an officer if, if, uh, if you don't go to SFAS and then, you know, successfully complete the Q course. And not to say that like, uh, everyone should do SF, but, um, if you have the desire to do so, you should definitely apply for so, mm-hmm. but infantry branch still needs good officers that will become company commanders, battalion commanders, brigade commanders and general officers. So, you know, keep that in mind with what you want to do, but you know, uh, if you ever have the thought of doing so, you should definitely put in your packet to, to do so. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so we'll we'll switch that topic. I think a, a smaller topic we can talk about is like I see career altering injuries. I was gonna say like uh, maybe we should talk about like going to your first unit. Um, oh yeah. Well, that would that would fit the theme, the motif yeah. of this podcast in general. Junior officer uh, advice. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, you want to kick it off with, with getting to your first unit again or preparing for that? Sure. Um, yeah, so for my my story, I think is a little bit atypical because uh, pretty much my first unit, you know, I've graduated Bullock and then got orders to um, 
4th Brigade 2nd ID. And my unit was the fort deployed at the time. So I pretty much showed up to Fort Lewis uh, and then like in process in two weeks and then got all my, my CIF and then deployed like a week later. So I was gone pretty much within like three weeks of showing up. And I met my unit overseas, um, which was kind of cool. You know, it was the first time like getting to the first army base and I was deploying like within a month of showing up. And I do remember showing up to my first to the first unit was me and another lieutenant we both got to before deployed at the same time and there was like two we go into meteor battalion commander and then there are two jobs available there's an fso job and then there's a platoon leader job that was essentially just like a transportation platoon uh they're running like a transportation platoon so the battalion commander goes who wants the fso job i know one of you guys i know both of you guys want this job so you know you guys are gonna be doing burpees on the death by burpees to, fit, to see who gets that job. And sure enough, <laughs> what a great commander! See that that I, right I, there. I, will, I love that commander. I will. <laughs> I will. Colonel Downing, if I ever see you again, I owe you so much more than you'll ever imagine. That is a uh, that's a leader, folks. If if that's incredible, we I we used to do that. Uh, my my weapon squad leader uh, in regiment loved burpees, and he would just bring like rangers into the office and be like, "Sir, who do you think's gonna win on a burpee contest? You know, me- as many as you can do in a minute." These dudes would flat out fly. Like I- I'm talking like up to 30, 40 burpees. Like I've never seen dudes move so quickly. And then afterwards, the loser was like double fucked because it was like. You just Snows. lost. Yeah. Get outside. Like, we'll see in a little bit. He'll be back for a, a repeat of this. That's uh, awesome. What a good commander. Yeah, he was. He is by far one of the best commanders I've ever had. Um, Colonel Downing uh, wrote me my letter of recommendation for regiment and for med school. Um, so I owe him a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, I have no idea what, he does, what he's doing now. I think he's out now, but... You know, uh, well, then but that's that was a smart like, choice too. Yeah, but that was like my first uh, welcome to the army. It was like the, our battalion commander, our battalion commander, and the battalion sergeant major were big, huge CrossFit guys. Um, so that's why they like welcomed me and the other lieutenant to the battalion with like a death by burpee challenge. And then, you know, winner would get the FSL spot, but they already knew that I was gonna take the FSL spot anyways. Because the other, well, the other guy also like told me he was like hey i know you want the episode spot so i'll give it to you so maybe he kind of knew like you know oh yeah alpha I'm, was. and i'm sure it didn't have anything to do with the fact that he knew once he got up to double digits it was going to start hurting yeah uh yeah that was a great um experience i think was showing up to my unit overseas because like i remember west point you know we get like opds and like lpds about you know showing up to your first unit and like what to do and it was just like i don't know if i ever took any of that stuff to heart you know they always say like you know listen to your ncos you know learn about yourself but like all the basic stuff like everybody knows like the big thing that i kind of was i think successful in doing was that you know i just was a good guy you know tried to learn everybody's names figure out where it came from um tried to learn as much as i could about doing my job correctly you know trying to be value added i think the big thing is like being value added because I mean, no one expects you as a fresh second lieutenant showing up to your first unit. Nobody really expects you to know what you're doing or really, you know, have a mastery of all the tasks and uh, of the mission. But they do expect you no. to try really hard, and they do expect you to put in the full effort and to try to do your best each and every day. Yeah, and to pick it up. 
and then like I think that's what um, you should really go into your first unit expecting is that no one expects you to be perfect. Like your NCOs don't expect you to be perfect. Your soldiers don't expect you to be perfect. But they kind of expect you to try really hard, uh, to try your best, and to learn things on the go, and then to to support them. Like at the end of the day, your yeah. mission shouldn't be making yourself look good. Your mission should be making your guys look good, and that's something that I've always carried forward is that that servant leadership mentality of. You know, taking care of your guys, and if you take care of your guys, then they'll take care of you, and then you know your success or failure depends on how they take care of you. Yeah, and and if your guys are set up for success, you're gonna probably have an incredible like group when it comes to evaluations because those are gonna be the individuals that put in more effort when no one's watching. Those are gonna be the individuals that are putting more effort into the actual, um, you know, graded uh, events. So. Don't worry so much about like what others are thinking of you so long as like your platoon is like shit hot because they're just getting after it and they know that you'll have their back in every single situation. You're good to go. Um, I had a slightly different experience showing up to my first unit. Uh, I went to Fort Hood. Uh, as many of you know, it's in the news right now because it's the great place. Um, when I was there, there were, I think, the same amount of issues, but they just were, were more hush hush and, and, and pushed under the rug. Uh, I went straight to the three shop and again, coming from, you know, doing well at iBullock and being super competitive, that pissed me off. Um, I sound like super cocky by the way, and arrogant, like thinking I didn't have to put my time in on staff. Um, but I still stand by that. Like, especially going to a, a mech unit, um, I was pretty pissed off that I was waiting behind individuals that did not have tabs, that my battalion commander was an infantry that I don't think because he didn't have a tab, he didn't respect people that had tabs, um, you know, and, and hate it or not, you know, I was on staff and I was like, all right, I'm just going to try to make the best products that I can and make it so apparent that him not having me in a platoon is to the detriment of the battalion. Uh, eventually I got down to a platoon um, I think, you know, the company commander was like a real hard charger from the 101st, uh, in his PL days. One of the things that I also did, and I don't know how uh, applicable it is right now, given that so few people are deploying. And then even with that are even seeing combat, um, I took real strong note of both the junior officers that had been on the battalion's last deployment, as well as the company commanders and field grades, like what badges that they had, what tabs they had, uh, you know, if they'd been deployed and hadn't seen combat in an environment that, you know, 99% of people see combat, it was like, okay, was that because they weren't put in positions um, to see combat? Or was that a reflection of the lack of trust that maybe that battalion commander had in them and not putting them in leadership positions that actively sought to see combat and, and to, you know, defeat some enemy? Um, so I, I use that as a, you know, my own kind of judgment on people. Okay, this this potential company commander has been deployed twice or three times for a combined total of 24 months yet has never had an opportunity to get his CIB. That's strange. Like if you deployed just on staff kind of thing. Um, when I got down to my platoon, my first platoon sergeant, I still talk to, uh, to this day, uh, Sergeant Robinson, uh, incredible. Another dude from the 101st. I mean, that's like a unit that, that puts out winners. Um, we had an incredible relationship. Uh, I like, 
I did not care if the first sergeant or company commander disliked us. Like my loyalty was to my guys. Uh, if my guys jacked up, whatever, it just, you know, you, you can rip me to shreds. Don't talk to my guy. Um, I mean, there was one instance where we had issues with our comms and this was deployed in Afghanistan uh, months and months later. And, uh, you know, there was an exchange over the, uh, uh, the radio, essentially belittling, um, one of my specialists and I, I got out of the truck. I walked up to the talk, um, and had a very, you know, serious heart to heart. Like you don't talk to my guys like that. And, um, I think that's sometimes what it takes is to make sure that, you know, like what Bobby said, when you're out there, like your guys are the only thing that matter. Like, you know, the opinion of your commander, that's, you know, that's important. I'm not going to say it's not uh, your first sergeant, same, but the higher up you get, the, the least you should really care. Um, you know, your immediate supervisor, care what they think, you know, the, at the end of the day, they, they want to have a good organization as much as you do. So they look at you like you might look at your squad leaders. But again, if you have one opportunity, you know, at doing something right, the guys that you see on a daily basis should be the ones that you're 100% focused on and, and do not care if, you know, the S3 or the XO in your battalion thinks less of you or your battalion commander doesn't like that you don't wear a Stetson at formation, like whatever. That might affect your esprit de corps and his uh, OER, but at the end of the day, like he's not the one out there that's getting into ticks uh, with you and the guys. Like long rambling there, but care what your soldiers think of you. Don't be like buddy, buddy with them, but you should have a personal relationship. You should be able to say which ones have kids. You should know their names. You should generally know when your soldiers, family members are having birthdays, like not to the point where you're like, today it's Johnson's wife's birthday. Like send them home early, but like a, Hey, isn't your, your wife's birthday coming up? All right. Remind me you're getting like a half day that day. Like that's important to us. That's the kind of small stuff that goes a really long way. And, and you should mean it. It shouldn't be like disingenuous either when, when you want to have guys like have a positive work experience because then they stay in, they become better NCOs. They don't look at the officer corps as being trash and selfish. And they remember hopefully that, okay, there are good, you know, infantry officers out there that don't care what their OER says. Yeah. I would say that's one thing that I kind of struggled with as a, you know, as a junior officer is kind of like drawing that line between, you know, being a leader and then being like a friend almost. Cause I, um, like professionally say, keep your relationship professional. Cause I feel like as a, you know, as a junior officer, I kind of maybe walked in the line of trying to be too friendly with them instead of being a good leader. And that's one thing that, you know, was something that I, uh, kind of was a leadership challenge for me personally, just because I, you know, want to be kind of friendly with most everybody that I work with. And that that's one thing that I not really regret, but wish that I had done a little bit better job in looking back on it is being more, a little bit more tougher and being less of a friend and more of like a leader is what I would say. Yeah. I, I thought that was like in the deployed environment, it was much easier to have like a borderline fraternization esque Mm -hmm. like relationship, because, you know, if you guys are going out on patrol every day, you know, you, you don't want the environment to be like the lieutenant is back, cannot act normal, cannot yeah, compute. Yeah. But, you know, when you're in a you're in garrison, you know, maintain that professionalism. If if one of your squad leaders is having a, a party with, you know, his soldiers coming by and their families and he invites you like, 
you know, ask the platoon sergeant if he or she now uh, is going to it. See if you want to coordinate going to it and showing up because you're showing that outside of work, you also find Mm -hmm. what they're doing is important and you're supportive. And again, you're there now making sure that potentially if there was any questionable behavior going on, either before you got there or after, you're making sure guys aren't drinking and driving. All the basic stuff that you preach on these Friday safety briefs, like you get to put into practice. It's the same thing if you live in, you know, like a Savannah area. If you see your guys that are downtown, you know, at the rail, you make sure they're just doing fine before you just peace out. Um, that's like, those are the small things that like the social skills uh, that go into being like a good officer. And that's where I think, again, like, especially the inf- inf- infantry, if you're just going infantry because you're like a nerd, like, and you're not really an athlete, I think athletes generally perform better in that branch because I don't know, there's that, that camaraderie, that team element where they, they've dealt with the asshole on their team. They've, they've created a bond on the defense. Like that's the kind of stuff that you see again, once you get to your platoon. So if you're not an athlete, like you're kind of going to be a weirdo, your platoon's going to know you're a weirdo. All the other lieutenants are going to know that you're a weirdo. <laughs> no one's going to want to go downtown to 6th Street in Austin with you because you're a weirdo. Like, go join a go, – go play, like, a men's league rugby or something. Like, do something just so you can generate general social skills and conversations so you don't show up going, did you see the match last night? Boy, Roy McElroy really hit the ball far and had a touchdown on the fourth hole. Like, you're a weirdo. Like – Oh, that's the other thing. Real quickly, golf. I don't know how popular it was at F.A. Bullock. Um, a lot of people get into golf when they go to I. Bullock because the courses there are pretty inexpensive. They're fun to play. Again, golf's a really expensive sport. Um, and once you're a platoon leader, like having time to go play, like if you've got three hours to play on a Saturday or Sunday and you haven't like dedicated that time to, I don't know, go hit a Saturday suck fest in, um, courtesy of yours truly and Bobby, then like, do you really want to go play 18 or do you want to see what your clean max is? Like priorities, people don't be a weirdo. Yeah. I will say that, uh, Christina and I are about to go play a round of golf in like the next hour or so, but I didn't get my workout in for the day already. So, you know, I've earned that, uh, that break from playing golf, but what was I going to go with that? Oh, I don't know what I was going to go with that. I was going to say something about being like a good team athlete, but um, I feel like once you're at West Point, there's unless you're an, unless you're an athlete in high school and had that experience in high school, I feel like you're kind of screwed at that point if you're in college. Oh, yeah. You didn't have, you know, I mean, there's like intramurals at West Point, but that's like, I don't know, that's, not, that's hardly a team atmosphere or team sport. Because like here's one thing. I don't think I've ever had an LPD on this. So here's your LPD. You're going to get a ton of shit talk to you by your soldiers and rangers. Like the NCOs, they're going to have like very specific comments that are going to be like, that's good. That's good. But you're going to have that like 18 to 22 year old private. Maybe like maybe you've promoted them to like corporal. He's going to say things that really hurt, Mm -hmm. like are spot on. He's going to comment your chicken legs. You know, he's going to. He's going to call that out. He's going to let you know that he, you know, just smoked a pack before that run and he still smoked you. Like he says some stuff that really hurts and it's not going to be fun. And so you have to be able to get over it. And if you can't, because you're a weirdo, 
infantry's not the branch to go. Like you need to also be able to give it back. Like you got to yeah. let your RTO know that he's a piece of shit and uh, that girl's never going to swipe right on him either. So like develop social skills. Yeah. I don't know what to watch curb your enthusiasm, like get some of the Larry David comebacks and take his personality. If you don't have one of your own. Yeah. I said like, uh, get good at chirping back. That's one thing that I've kind of maintained through, I don't know, years of military and what, what have you, even in medicine, like some, some of my attendings and some of my people that work with will like chirp me or say something and I'll just chirp them back. You know, it's not bad. It's just, oh. it's just chirping back is like a great, it's it's a skill. It yeah, is like it's a great skill. I I credit the military with my ability to chirp back at New Yorkers uh, if I'm running without a mask on. You know, they make a stupid comment. It literally it it's so natural now to me that whatever I respond with is just going to be slightly more personal of an attack on them than them yelling at me from fifty feet away to wear a mask in the middle of Central Park, like. Again, you're going to want to you want to have to balance like what level of insult can I get away with to how loud do I say it? What's my tone? And you practice that with your soldiers, you know, so you go back and forth with your guys. Then you go back and forth with your peers. Then you see what you can get away with with your commanders. And now it's like trickle down economics so that when you go and you see a civilian, you don't have to think what's going to be the most offensive thing, because I guarantee you what you would want to say to your battalion commander that you thought was offensive will absolutely destroy any random civilian. They'll be like so taken back by the fact that like you called them like a gelatinous bag of shit that they'll never ever question a single person they see not wearing a mask in public ever again. Yeah, it's like chirping back is a great skill to have, especially in the military, because it tells your guys and people that you work with that one, you can take you can take the, the the chirpings and to take the insults and that two, you don't take it personally. And yeah. three, you can give it back because that, I just think that just creates a better environment for everybody. So that knowing that, you know, you have some leeway to talk shit to each other, but still take things seriously when it matters. Yeah. And you know, especially then as you progress in your career, whether you go to regiment or you go SF. And again, if you didn't get an opportunity to go do that and you aspire to do it, like we we're not holding that against you. Um, But when you do find success and you do get to get there, the chirping gets way worse. Like, it's like not only do they get physically and militarily more competent, but now their their insult game is like another level. Um, The guys that, you know, I've seen that are on teams uh, because generally, like, I don't think the rank uh, structure is something that's as enforced uh, as either in regiment or in the regular army they get after one another like on a level that's like reminiscent of middle school and high school girls just really digging in with either passive aggressive or just straight up aggressive comments. So like, don't be a weirdo, like learn your insults. Yeah. I wish I had better advice than not be a weirdo, but it really is as simple as not being a weirdo. Yeah. Like for instance, you're, you're sitting there wondering, how do I know if I'm a weirdo? Okay, well, let's take a couple step test here. Do you have a lot of friends? Okay, well, no. like some people, some people, maybe you're an introvert, so that that's not automatically a a thing I'll rule out. Like if you played Warhammer 40k, do not make yourself like think you're a weirdo. I played Warhammer 40k. I think I'm pretty cool. 
Um, now, if, Sean, you're a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I have a huge nose. Watch what you say. If, uh, if you know, this might be... Generally, I don't think good-looking people are weirdos. Like, I, I think it's hard to that. be a weirdo and, and be good-looking, like, case in point. Um, but, you know, if you go to a bar... Uh, and again, this is going to sound shallow, but if people don't come up to talk to you or hit on you or after they've engaged in conversation with you, whether it's by you making the first move or them, and that conversation is not continuing, you're probably a weirdo. I'm a weirdo then. You should be able to hold conversation. But please, I like if, if again, if people are actively seeking you out, there's some, you've got that it factor. You've got that wow factor. You're not a weirdo, but if no one's coming up to you at the bar and asking you to tell us about like Clausewitz and Rommel's like defeat uh, in the desert, like you're probably a fucking weirdo. Like nobody wants to talk about that. Learn to talk about something normal. Don't be. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. yeah I th- so anyway, I think what I'm coming coming back to is you're not a weirdo if you're good looking. So be good looking. I think being good looking makes you not a weirdo. Play Warhammer 40K. If you can go get a free elective surgery by being in the army, get your nose bigger because uh, I'm telling you, it is it's been wonderful for my life. Um, yeah, is that that? I mean, that's how we can define a weirdo, right? Sure. Uh, I think with that, we'll, we can start wrapping it up with that. I think we're getting off the rails now. Dude, Thanks, we're. Sean. I didn't get no everything I said. The two prong test is are you a weirdo one do you have friends two are you good looking i think that's pretty that is foolproof so i don't have a ton of friends i'm incredibly good looking so step two of the weirdo test is slightly weighted over step one all right with that guys we will end for this uh week's episode Uh, i think next week we'll talk a little bit more about Uh, recovery, some training tips, um, and how to get over some injuries that might be bothering you or might be lingering. Um, So with that, we'll catch you guys next time. Oh, apply for the scholarship program. Uh, Let your buddies know uh, it's still open for about a little less than a month now. Um, We're awarding three $1,000 scholarships uh, this year uh, to help out with any transition costs, application costs that you might have had um if you need to get professional attire for the program that you're in moving costs actual tuition books you name it it's a thousand dollars it goes straight to your account uh it's a real simple application check it out at the kernis fit scholars part of our website um it's too easy to apply it is not uh discriminatory to like any branch of service um just so long as you served, you have a DD-214 uh, or, you know, you have a letter of acceptance to any school and you're still in the military, like, hit us up. It's too easy. Easy money. Free money. Don't be a weirdo. And don't be a weirdo. All right, guys. See you guys next time. Peace. Peace.